Bibles and get to Proverbs chapter 3, but also put your thumb or a piece of paper, whatever you have in your wallet or purse, uh, at Matthew chapter 6, because we will hit there also um, midway through the sermon. No, don't gauge me on that. Um, So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, one of, like I said, two verses that I have gone back to over and over and over. Uh, in my life, and with things, dramatic changes in life, whatever is happening, uh, breakup of a girlfriend, whatever you're dealing with, uh, but it, it was always a, a great source of comfort for me. Uh, one of the times that I really just hung out there for a while, and no offense to any of you, please don't get offended, I don't want hate mail, email, text, whatever. But it was when we moved here. Um, let me back up a little bit. So I was born in Texas, just outside Dallas, by the way. Okay? So we'll talk about that later. But when I was five, we moved to California, grew up in California, did my bachelor's in California at Cal Baptist University. Then it was time to pick a seminary. I knew I was called in youth ministry and anything else God had. The best seminary of the seven at that point was at Southwestern in Fort Worth. Made sense to go back, Cowboys fan for life, whatever. Applied. Um, But all my mentoring, all the people I talked to said, if you want to stay in California, do seminary in California. So I went to Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary, which is now Gateway, because I didn't see me leaving California ever. Uh, Yeah, God had other plans. I was going to say the joke's on me and God at the same time, and it came jawed. I don't know what that means. But, yeah, I did all my schooling, everything, except for California for the rest of my life. I got married, had three kids, and then life kind of throws weird things at you. Uh, We lived in Bakersfield. That's where we came from. Bakersfield is just north of L.A., over a beautiful mountain range. So you would think the smog stays out of the valley of Bakersfield, but it doesn't. So imagine all the smog from L.A. that you hear about to the dry, deserty agriculture of Bakersfield, a big agricultural area. Now you have very bad air quality. Uh, Probably still rated at least one of the top, but at that time it was the worst air quality in America. Um, Tyler, so I have Tyler, Ryan, and Cameron. Tyler's my oldest. He was on migraine medicine and a nebulizer, which is a breathing treatment. Ryan was on the nebulizer, and we're talking, Tyler was six and seven years old. Ryan was four uh, on breathing treatments. And we're like, all right, God, either heal them or maybe it's time to go. So we took the year looking for, well, we prayed for healing, of course, first. Uh, but then it was like, okay, we need, to, we need to leave this area, go find somewhere healthier for our kids. Of course, I'm supposed to stay in California. So we take a year to look for churches in California. Uh, nothing's opening up. And so Carrie and I were like, well, maybe we should be a little more trustworthy and open it up to the entire United States. And I think probably within a month, we hear from some church in Waldorf, Maryland. I'm like, where's Maryland? You know? <laughs> First of all, I never even thought we'd make it to D.C. Uh, just to visit with a family. But sure enough... You know, long story short, after a a lot of of prayer and interviews and communication, here we are. 
Um, the beauty of it is, is that when we moved, we thought, well, instead of flying out, you know, with the moving truck, we'll drive. Who doesn't want to drive across the country with a two-year-old, a five-year-old, and an eight-year-old? Okay, we thought we would never do it again. Why not knock it out? We had a whole week, um, and we didn't even go straight across. Um, in fact, we started north uh, and thought we would go up Colorado Way and then change our mind because Carrie wanted to go to great, the Grand Canyon. So we headed up towards Vegas and then back down to Route 10 where Grand Canyon is and then ended up back at Chicago because we had family in Chicago and then Indiana where my brother was then down. So it was, it was, it was a fun trip. Um, it was quite an adventure with the boys. But I have to say, the whole time driving out that week, I kept thinking to myself, oh, I'm on vacation. You know, there's no way God's having my whole family move from what I knew in California to Maryland, East Coast, whatever. I didn't know any of it. Um, don't ask me about my Jersey story um, at all, that it was a city and not a state. Because <laughs> people always say Jersey, you know what I mean? And you always think city, never mind. Um, <laughs> So, but that whole move, and, and even in the interview time, I'm like, I'm not going to go out there. You know, I, I answered the questions, but never in my, in my right mind thought I would be moving all the way across the country. And if you look, it's not directly apart or across from each other. Bakersfield's a little south, but two, two and a half hours from the coast in California, two, two and a half, you know, three hours from here driving, but maybe two as a crow flies. I'm like, God, what are you doing? You know, this whole time driving. Um, but then realizing that putting my trust in him, not on my own understanding whatsoever, I saw God work through every single step of that. To the point that even after arriving here, I think within a month, Tyler was off of his migraine medicine. Tyler and Ryan were off of their breathing treatment within six weeks. Um, and to see God work you know, immediate family. I think we flew back as a family a year later. And with less than a year, we felt like we were leaving home and not going back to home. Um, so to see God work through all of that, but in the midst, I'm like, God, what are you doing? You know, this is not, this was not the plan. Uh, I had everything lined up. But that's what I want to talk about today is that God's got a greater plan for our lives than we can ever imagine. Um, and we fight every angle of it, every curveball that gets thrown at us. You know, where truly is the trust? Um, and the amount of depression and anxiety in even the day-to-day -day that is happening in our culture uh, blows my mind. Um, and my first focus was our students. You know, hanging out with the students, doing ministry with them, I see that, um, and that has become a big issue. But as I'm preparing this, I'm like, I'm stressed out. You know, my anxiety and, that, and of all ages, even to our children. So this is, this really hit, hit home to me of the importance of trusting in God um, and understanding that, that it's more than believing. Uh, you know, trust in the Lord with all your heart is not just believing that you know that God exists, but having faith in him. Um, and and. And when we talk about our faith, that can be sometimes hard to define, hard to explain, but an outcropping of our faith is trust. Uh, if you truly have faith in something, you're going to trust in that, in that something. 
Uh, and in this situation, God, how cool is it instead of our conversation of how's your faith, you know, how's your, how's your walk with God right now, is how's your trust? How is your trust level with God? Uh, do you truly trust him? And we can understand trust. We trust that this building's not gonna fall when the builders built it. Uh, we're gonna trust, I pray that the bank's not gonna lose all my money, or yeah, not that there's a lot of it. Or, you know, we have trust in different things, but how much greater is Almighty God that we need to have trust in him and know that our ways are not gonna be his ways and he's got a much greater plan. And by the way, this whole worry thing, anxiety is not worth it, um, especially worry. A professor at a leading American university broke it down for us. He said that 40% never happens. The things that we worry about, 40% never happens. And that, it seems like a lot higher to me because I get so stressed out over something and then it never happens. And I wasted all that time, all that distraction. 30% of what we worry about happened in the past. There's nothing we can do about it. It's time to, to move on, but don't we like to hold on to things in the past? 12% are needless worries about health, something that we can't necessarily do about with our health that we get stressed about or think things are gonna happen and try to avoid you know, all things. You know, Don't tell me diet Dr. Pepper causes cancer because I'm still gonna drink it. You know, but all these worries about health that, that may or may not happen. 10% about petty issues. Now, I disagree with this, too. The 10% of the things I worry about are only petty issues. No, it's greater in my, in my, in my mind, for sure. And maybe 8% are legitimate concerns. But look at all this wasted time that we have of things that we have no control over, that we need to give to God, and let him deal with it. But isn't that so hard to just trust him, lay it at his feet, and walk away? Um, I, don't, I, I don't do that very good at all. But understanding that God's got this. And that here's the, the hardest phrase, the part of these two verses that I have, is do not lean on your own understanding. Um, I want to know what's going on. Like, give me a plan. I, I don't think I want to know the rest of my plan that God has for my life. I think that would scare me a little bit. I think it would scare all of you if you knew your day-to-day -day till the end of time on earth, where you're gonna end up, because Maryland, you know, you know I've been here, it's over 14 years, by the way. If, if 15 years ago you said, you're gonna be in Maryland at this point, I'm like, no, I'm not. That wasn't a plan. So leaning on my own understanding, trying to figure that out, isn't it so much easier if we know what's going on, if we're in control and not trying to figure things out on our own? And I definitely wasn't leaning on my own understanding during that move from California to Waldorf. But I'm glad that it's not up to me. I'm glad that it's not up to under, my understanding, my limited human mind to figure my life out. I'm so much happier that God is in control, that he's got this. But we want to understand stand so desperately. Uh, one of my favorite books to read through is C.S. Lewis's Screwtape Letters. And it is where Screwtape the Demon has a nephew, Wormwood, who he is trying to mentor to, to mess with the Christians, you know, get them away from God. And a quote in there is from uh, Screwtape talking to his nephew. And when I say enemy, this is referring to God. 
He says, there is nothing like suspense and anxiety for barricading a human's mind against the enemy. Nothing like suspense, uh, anxiety to block our thought processes, to have us stop thinking about the things of God, uh, which is so needed in our walk with him. But it's a mental battle. And, and there is a serious epidemic of anxiety and stress and worry in this culture in our lives uh, that need to be dealt with. And we need to work on that. And, and mental illness is a real thing. Uh, but here's God that is there um, in the midst of all of that. And that I am not by any means saying, oh, just pray about it. It'll be gone. I get that. If I break my leg... I don't want someone coming up to say, oh, just pray about it. It'll, get, it'll be healed and you'll be on your way. Can that happen? Absolutely. Um, but sometimes it doesn't. And we've got to deal with this. And here's a beautiful passage dealing with what do we do with our anxiety and our worries. But to understand on our own mind is going to let us down. But God's not going to let us down. God's saying, I've got this. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to jump over there now, and then we will be back. Matthew 6, a beautiful picture of what God is doing in our lives. Um, And not just our lives, but all all of creation. Because he's going to use pictures of birds and lilies and saying that, you know, I'm taking care of those things. You have nothing to worry about. Um, And I love you even more than those. So read with me from Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, and we'll go through verse 34. Matthew 6, 25 to 34. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into heaven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Here's a passage that God very clearly, don't worry. Don't be anxious. Um, Jesus tells us three times in this set of this passage to not worry. And these are commands from Christ. These aren't just suggestions. Hey, try not to worry. No, Christ is saying don't worry. Um, it is not, it is taking our eyes off of God and focusing on something else. And that's sin in our life. Um, and it's, it's so hard to get rid of and so hard to deal with. The word anxious is used six times in this passage. And the old English word uh, for, for anxious 
is actually to strangle, to choke, to seize by the throat. This is not anything that we want in our life. Uh, the Greek definition refers to being drawn in different directions. So here's this picture of our mental and emotional state being strangled by anxiety, uh, being so distracted from what God wants us to do and to be a part of. Uh, it is what Satan wants for us to not realize what God is doing in our life and put our trust in him, but try to figure this out on our own uh, because that's who we are. But here's an alternative to leaning on our own understanding is to what? Is to lean on God's. Isaiah 55, 8, and I will read the next set of verses. If you would like them later, please come and see me or text, send me a text. I'll shoot all of these verses to you. But Isaiah 55, verse 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing that God is so much greater than I am? But I don't trust in that, okay? Because I put on here, hallelujah, right? And then dot, 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 nope. Because there's so many times I'm like, all right, I know this, but yet, nah, I can figure this out. Or, you know, let me try to maneuver and, and do things and take control of some situation, and then I mess up, and then I blow it. And wouldn't it be nice if God consulted with us a little bit? You know, hey, Randy, do you mind if I make this move in your life first, uh, you know, and get a little insight from us? Wouldn't that be a little bit easier in our life? Possibly, but I don't think so. I think I'd rather trust in God for what's going on, whether I see the outcome or potential outcome of it or not. Um, he asks us to just trust in him and not to worry. And that's a real key is to trust, to understand that he's fully in control. First Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And I kept all week going back to this beautiful picture from Proverbs 18.10. Um, and off of that First Peter 5, 6, that it says the mighty hand of God. And to think of God's power. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs to it and are, is safe. And I keep thinking of this fortress, this tower that God is. Um, his unchanging, all-powerful tower and strength of who God is. And this is just his name. And then we get to rely on that. So the mighty hand of God, we get to cast all of our anxieties on him. And he takes that and uses it for our glory. For his glory, not our glory. Um, but then I kept thinking, well, God, I've blown it so many times. I've tried to do things on my own. I've messed things up. My mental battle is, is not strong as much as I try to have faith in you. I'm not really worthy of what you are doing and, and for you to give attention to my life. And that is so wrong. And sometimes I think in our mind, and this is part of that mental battle, that we're not worthy of what God wants us to do in our life and wants to do in our life. We sit there and think, well, you know, why don't you take care of someone else because I've blown it so much. My sin is so great. You can't use me um, because of the things that I've done. 
But another promise I hold on to is there is nothing that we can do to make God love us more. There is nothing that we can do to make God love us less. Um, God's love is unchanging. It's all-powerful. And when we come to him in salvation, all of our sins are forgiven. Our whole life is his. Um, And as much as we try this mental battle, we still have God that is unchanging in our life. And he loves us. And as we go to the end of verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, and look at this twice within these two verses, all your ways acknowledge him and with all your heart. Um, it is our whole entire life. It is our, all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, every aspect of our life needs to be his and is his as children of God. And, I mean, I blow it a lot. I, I, I want to ask you, what is your default setting in your life? And I mean default setting by this. We had, uh, when we were and are still dealing with and, and working through our security protocol for our church, uh, we had Charles County Sheriff SWAT commander come to hang out at our church and, and to walk the building inside and outside. And Pastor and I were getting a lot of great insight um, but one thing we talked about and that he brought up is that during a time of crisis, a policeman will always go to their default training level, their, their, their lowest level of training, because that was ingrained in them over and over and over uh, in their training as a policeman. They're not going to, during a crisis situation, necessarily go through, well, in the textbook it said to do this and prepare for this. You go to a default reaction. Uh, Same with all of our emergency services, whoever, doctors, any of us. There's a default setting that we go to because we don't necessarily remember all that we learned recently. It is the training over and over and over. Um, And so I put that because Carrie and I have two very different default settings when it comes to things in life that we stress about. Okay, let me start with Carrie's. Actually, I should probably start with me because she'll, well, she'll look better either way. <laughs> Carrie's default setting is always that of it's God's will. Um, something's happening for a reason. You know, whatever stressors come up, whether just something simple for the day, something big's coming down the road, Carrie's always like, man, well, you know, something, this is all God. God's, it's his will for whatever this situation. Yeah, that's not mine at all. I think I go quite the opposite, because um, something will come up, and 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 I sometimes avoid her because I know what she's going to say. <laughs> but I would rather just say, "Seriously, God, what what are you doing?" You know, and it's 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 a trust factor. It's it's a trust issue in my own life that I need to step back and and to go back in my life and see all that God has been faithful in. Hello. You know, but look at, look at all through Scripture. So many of, of everyone that has, has had a relationship with God, seen him at work, something happens, instead of reverting back to a, a memory or an understanding of what God has done and that he's got this, we still complain, we still mess up, we still have this setting that we go back to worry and anxiety and stress instead of saying, 
stopping, taking a breath, and saying, all right, God, what's going on in this situation? And I would probably save or get thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours back in my life if I had gone that first instead of worrying and trying to figure things out. But as we seek him in all things, acknowledge him in all things, it's so, it's so impossible at times. Um, and I am going to end with this. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So with prayer and thanksgiving, thanking him, what a great way of working on that process, working on that default setting to thank God for all things. Not just the stressors, not just the things that causes, causes us anxiety, but the good things. How ironic is it that we seek after God when things get terrible and rough, and we don't always seek after God in the good and the great. God wants all of it, um, every part of our life. And so thank him. Thank him continually. Give him thanks in all things. And then pray about everything. You gotta love Facebook. Gotta love the Holy Spirit working in your life with social media as you're working on a sermon and things pop up. You're like, ooh, I'm using that. So two things happen this week, these little memes about prayer. Um, one is don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Um, and that hits it right on the head. The other is worry is a conversation you have with yourself about things that you cannot change. Prayer is a conversation you have with God about things he can change. What a great perspective of giving God everything, not relying on anything that we try to figure out, good, bad, ugly, great, amazing, fantastic, stressful, whatever, anything in our life, if we run to God first and let him just deal with that, that's amazing. And this isn't saying that we just back off from, from our life. We've got normal worries to, to deal with. You know, I've got to make sure my boys still get clothed and fed and whatever. Um, make sure Carrie is taken care of. So there's things I've got to be concerned about, but not to dwell on that worry. And as we go into our time of invitation, and then we're going to the table for Lord's Supper, Back to this phrase of trust in the Lord. Um, God the Father set up a relationship that he desperately wants with us, that he allowed through the sacrifice of his son on the cross by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a personal relationship. He didn't say, follow this process, do these steps. He didn't say, you know, go and be a part of this religion. It's a personal relationship. And I pray I cannot imagine life without Almighty God involved in it, without the Holy Spirit saturating every part of my being and keeping after and seeking after the things of Christ in my life. I cannot imagine living life without any of that and trying to figure uh, life out on my own. I pray that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't, please come and talk to me. Come and talk to anyone in church and figure this out. Um, because it, he, he loves you, uh, and he wants you to be in a relationship with him. He wants to forgive your sins. 
He wants you to be a part of, of him and to spend eternity in heaven. And I prayed during the time of invitation that that is something that you are seeking after. And if you have any questions, please come and talk to us. But as we close up in prayer and have this time of invitation, take a moment to thank God for all things. Uh, let him know how important he is in your life. And, and as we leave this place, that we acknowledge him in all that we do uh, and continue, continue to seek after him. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us, that we are reminded how much you love us, uh, that we can put our trust in you and that you want every moment of our life uh, that you want us to continue to trust you and to put you first and in front of all things. Father, I pray for those that may not know you. I pray for those that struggle uh, through all of this anxiety and stress and worry uh, that you continue to, to just pierce down into their hearts uh, with this, this love, with your presence in their life. Father, I thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.